chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, we have the scripture on the screen. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting uh, in verse uh, 21. It says this. It says, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is the part men like. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives sh- should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by uh, the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. And so today we're starting a brand new series, and it's called Money, Sex, and Marriage. And we're talking about money, we're talking about sex, and we're talking about marriage. And the reason why we're talking about these three things is because the world has a lot to say about these things. The world has a lot to say about sex. The world has a lot to say about marriage. And the world has a lot to say about money. But you know what? The scriptures also have a lot to say about these three topics. Now, this series is going to be very uh, countercultural, but I think that that's good because we are faced with such a big opposition in the world that is trying to, to press their agenda into what scripture teaches of how the world actually works. And so we're going to be talking about these three topics throughout this series. Because God has a lot to say about these topics, and today we're going to start off with marriage, with marriage. How many of you guys excited about this? Marriage, you guys ready? Man, this is not what the world has to say about marriage, by the way, so be ready. I'm going to start off with a question. How many planners do we have in the room? Planners, like you plan. Like you plan your day, you plan your week, you plan, okay, planners, okay, great, a lot of you. How many of you guys just kind of go with the flow? Let's go with the flow. Let's kind of go with the flow. Okay. It's divided, probably about 50-50. Uh, I'm a planner. I tend to plan my day. I tend to plan my week. I used to be obsessively, uh, an obsessive planner. I planned out my whole life until retirement at 65. Every year, I had a goal for every single year, and I had everything planned out, but God was up in heaven looking down and telling me, you're so cute, <laughs> because nothing worked out the way I was planning. Same with marriage. See, my wife and I, we got married 20 years ago, and here's a picture of our, of our wedding day. So that's, come on. We look the same, right? You laughed way too hard. Look at that picture. Look at those faces. 2002, look at those faces. Full of expectations. Full of dreams. There's never going to be an issue, ever. Love will always win, Right? We, had, we were full of expectations. I had a plan. She had a plan. I had a financial plan. She also had a financial plan. I had goals. She also had goals. I had expectations. She also had expectations. I had dreams. She also had dreams. And our plans and expectations did not only fail because we had different agendas, but also, this is what I want to talk about today, because we had built our marriage on the sand. That's what I want to talk about today. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 47, says this, For everyone who comes to me, this is Jesus talking, as for, 
As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When, not if, when a flood came, the torrent struck, that house could not shake because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Let's show the picture of the Tower of, uh, of Pisa. Tower of Pisa, right? Okay. What's the problem with that tower, right? The Leaning Tower of Pisa, it was built in Italy in uh, the 12th century. And uh, if you guys don't know this, the first five years, it was fine. But then they built the third, the, the third level and it started to collapse little by little. What's the problem with that image right there, Right? The foundation. What's wrong with a foundation? It's not a firm foundation. When you're watching a building get built, maybe it's a mall or maybe it's some sort of a, a house, you know, there's a, there's a time period at the beginning where you don't really see much progress. Why don't you see much progress? Well, because they're laying the foundation. They're digging deep, right? They're, they're putting roots in so that the house will be able to, to stand firm. So the deeper the, the, the deeper the foundation, the more you can build. We see marriages all across our country. We see families all across our country collapsing. What's the, why are families and marriages collapsing left and right? The foundation. That's the question I want to ask you today. Where is your foundation? Are you, are, you, are you placing your relationships and your marriage on the rock or is your ground soft? You see, here's the problem. Many people will come to me and we'll have conversations about marriage. And sometimes people will be surprised. They're like, Pastor, I have, I have placed my, my understanding and I've placed my, my foundation on the practice of the Word of God. And they're surprised. We're like, Pastor, we're doing all the things that we should do. Why are we going through the things that we are going through? And here's the myth. Here's the myth. Listen to this. If you place your foundation on the practice of the word of God, then the flood won't come. Then the torrent will not strike that house. Then you will have no adversity. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say that the flood won't come. The Bible does not say that the, tor the torrents won't strike. The Bible does not say that the adversity won't come. What it says is when all these things hit your house, that at the end of the day, you will still be standing. That's the promise. So I want to ask you this morning, where's your foundation placed? You see, today we see all around um, foundations that are not well established, and the problem with that is that they're not going to stand the test of time. You see, there's a, there's a big problem in our, in our culture today. It's a big problem. Is that when you don't place your Anything that you do in your life on the practice of the word of God, it will not sustain, including marriage. And so today what I want to do in the few minutes that I have left is I want to I talk to you about, about common, soft foundations that we place in marriage. And then I want to end by talking to you about how we can truly have a firm foundation in our marriages. You see, culture confuses three concepts. Culture confuses three concepts. Infatuation, romance, and love. Infatuation, romance, and love. 
People think that infatuation is love. It's not love. People think that romance is love. It's not love. So we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. We confuse these. You see, um, if we place our foundation on any of these two, it's going to be unstable. It's going to collapse like the Tower of Pisa, right? However, if we believe and we understand how these three concepts that I just told you differ, we're going to be able to, to, to make solid marriages. What is infatuation? Infatuation is that first time period. Like, oh, oh man, she called me. Oh, why hasn't he called me? Oh no, I can't stop thinking about you. Every day, you're infatuated. You can't stop thinking about this person. It's such an, an exciting thing, right? It's an exciting feeling. You're not thinking straight, you know, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this will pass. It is just a matter of time. And if you're just starting to date, you're like, no, pastor, we're the exception. Like, we can't stop thinking about each other. Like, this is going to be forever. I'm like, okay, just give it three to six months. You will be in a different stage of life. You see, infatuation is a beautiful thing. And it is a beautiful thing to, to, season, to season a marriage that is well-founded. It's great. But it is not a firm foundation because it is not love. So that's infatuation. Then there's also romance. Romance is also not love. And romance is, is this thing, you know, that, that you move toward the person that you love, the letters, the cards, the gifts, the details, flowers, surprises, right? I've had marriages, you know, the wives will come to me and say, oh, he used to be so romantic and now I don't ever get anything, right? There are these things that you, that you miss. It's, it's date night, it's sexual intimacy, it's, it's those details, the flowers, the special vacation, remembering special dates, all those things are romance. And again, they are great seasonings for a marriage that is well-founded on love, but it will not replace a good foundation. You can't build a solid marriage on romance. You can't build a solid marriage on infatuation. The only firm foundation is the foundation of love. Sounds great, Pastor. Great. I've never heard that before, right? Love is the answer, right? So here's what I want to say, that, that if you find this cheesy, which I understand it can sound cheesy, like, like it has to be love, right? If it sounds cheesy, it's because, it's because you don't understand what love is, or we don't understand what, what love is. And so what I want to do now is I want to demystify love for you, because love is really what it means to put into practice the Word of God a.k.a. putting your, your family, your, your, your marriage on a firm foundation, which is, which is Christ. It's the practice of the Word of God. That's what love is, because that's the whole story. It's, it's love, right? But I want to explain to you what love is and what it isn't. You see, the problem is we, have a, we tend to have a, a, a worldly view of love. And what is a worldly view of love? infatuation and romance. So it's all about what you feel. Oh, I'm not feeling anything anymore, so love is over. It's over. I don't feel anything anymore, so we should probably part ways and not, you know, kind of walk away and, and not do, not continue this, this marriage. But how does the Bible describe love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? 
says this, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Okay. Did I read this wrong? Where's the feeling part? Wait. I can't find where it says that I need to feel something. It doesn't say love is kind when it feels like being kind. It doesn't say love doesn't envy when it doesn't feel like envying. It doesn't dishonor when it doesn't feel like dishonoring. It sometimes fails, but not always. Where does it say that? Here's the thing, and this is very unsexy, by the way, but it is biblical. Simply put, love is an act of the will. Simply put, it is taking seriously the vows that you took. This is the woman I have decided to love. She's right there. For the rest of my life, period. I know it doesn't sound very sexy, but listen to this. Some of you guys, when you're thinking about getting married, you're like, ah, oh, I'm not, because I'm not feeling it. I don't feel it right now. Like, I don't know if, I, if it's the right moment and there's all these reasons why it could be or could not be. I'm like, I can't decide this or that. I'm not really sure. That's not the question. The question is this. Am I or am I not willing to commit to this woman or this man for the rest of my life? That's the question. Because when you're married, I guarantee you there, there will be many times when you don't feel it. Many times. I would argue there are more times than not, sometimes, that you don't feel it and they're like, oh, I'm feeling it again. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not that common. I'm just being real with you. And sometimes the only thing that you have to fall back on is those vows that you committed to when you got married. I will love you because I have committed to love you. This is what love is. It's a commitment. It's staying the course. It's saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Here's the problem is that we, we are conditional. And conditional love is not love. It's just not. That's why we have to bring it back to the gospel. If you want to be confused about what love is, look at the world. It's all about how you feel. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. He gave us his best when we were dead in transgressions and sins. That's our model right there. Remember we read this earlier. In verse 22 of uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Wives, submit, to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Guys, you love this part. You're like, it says you have to submit, which means you've got to do what I tell you. As you submit to the Lord, you submit to me. Somebody said amen. Somebody's going to be sleeping in the doghouse today. I asked my wife this question. I asked her, what do you think about that verse that talks about women submitting to men? She's like, well, they forget verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so my wife brilliantly once says, so what do you think about the whole submission thing? She's like, any woman would willingly have no problem to submit to a man 
who gives himself up to his wife like Christ loved the church to the point of death. So just take the pulpit. Keep it. Keep it going. You know what I'm saying? Like seriously, that's so true. I think we can just close in prayer right now, right? But, it, but she's so right. It is so so true. You see, that's what love is. Love is unconditional. And the problem is, we're like, okay, yeah, I understand. I'll do it, but you start. And then if you do it, then I'll do it, right? So there's this weird thing where there has to be this counterbalance. But when you think about what Christ did for us, there was no balance. We gave him nothing, and he gave us everything. You see, it's mutual submission, You don't submit because your spouse submitted. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we earned it. Submit to one another, it says, out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. It doesn't say submit to one another out of reverence to one another. See the difference, right? She submits to me because here's the thing. Most days, I have not earned for her to submit to me. Some days, she has not earned for me to love her. Does that make sense? And so when she's trying to decide whether or not she's going to submit to me, if she uses me as a reference, she's got nothing. But when she looks to Christ, and she's like, Christ gave it all for me, so I'm going to give it all for my husband. Then when I think about my wife, and I don't feel like loving her that day, I'm not supposed to look at her because sometimes she's not giving me anything. Sometimes, sometimes. Most times she's giving me everything. But there are days when she's not. So you look to Christ. That's what it means to submit to one another out of reverence, not to one another because you're not going to be able to pull a lot out of that, but out of reverence for Christ. You look to Christ. When you're married, it's a marriage of three. You always have, have to have Christ there. If not, I don't know where we can continue. You love because Christ loved me. I love you because Christ loved me. I submit to you because Christ gave it all for me. You look to Christ when you don't feel like forgiving. You look to Christ when you don't feel like loving. You look to Christ when you don't feel like submitting. You look to Christ when, you, when your patience is running out. You look to Christ. And that's what love is. And that's how you build your house on a rock, which is Jesus. And you keep that going for a while, that sort of submission competition, and you've got something pretty great over the years as you look back. It becomes a reflection of the relationship that Jesus has with the church, and people will, will, will start coming to you for, for guidance, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, look at how much they love each other. They must have so much romance and so much infatuation. And the reality is, no, that's not the reason. It's because my wife and I, we've been through some storms. And there's been moments when it's all that we have had is Christ. And we have had to look to Christ in those moments. That's when you know It's in those moments, not in the great moments when everything's fantastic. It's when you know that you've got nothing left other than Jesus. That's when you know that's the the one who you look to. So here's the question. It's not whether or not the storms are coming, because they're coming. The question is, where is the foundation of your marriage? Infatuation, not good enough. Romance, not good enough. Love. Love, that is the 
foundation that will allow for you to survive the harsh weathers of life. And so, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I'm going to end with this. Um, as some of you guys know, I grew up in Chile um, as a missionary, missionary kid in South America, in Chile. And uh, Chile is very, uh, very seismic, so there's a lot of earthquakes. And the first earthquake that I remember was in 1984. It was devastating because most of the houses were built out of this material called adobe, which is basically mud and, uh, and hay. And so all the, it, was, it was terrible. And it was in the summer. It was, it was in March 3rd, I think it was, in the summer. Uh, that's our summer in Chile. And it was devastating. But most people don't remember that right after that earthquake came the winter. And there was a storm in the winter. And so the houses that didn't hold up were then washed away by this terrible storm. And some of the houses that, stood, that kind of stood up, it was, you were able to see how the water was going in through everything and how unstable everything, everything was. And so there's, a, there's seasons when your relationships seem to be okay, and that's, we'll, call it those, we'll call those the springs and summers of, of life, right? But then the winter comes, and, and some of you guys, you've been through some storms in your relationships. And some of you guys are going through a storm right now, and you don't know if you're actually going to hold up or not. And so what I want to do uh, today in the few moments that we have left is, is I want us to think about this. You see, the message today is pretty simple. But it's not an easy message. Because some of you guys look at your relationships right now, you look at your marriage right now, or maybe you've already been through a divorce and you don't know if you're going to be remarried or you might be remarried or you don't, like you're just kind of trying to figure this, this, this thing out. Whether you're in a relationship, not in a relationship, future marriage, or know people in your life that, that may be getting married or are going through difficulties right now. Sometimes you'll look at your relationship and you're like, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. And it reminds me of a story I heard once of a, a Boy Scout. It's a Boy Scout group, and they, were, they, they put this fire, you know, and it was a campfire, and the fire went out, you know, unexpectedly. And there was, uh, they ran out of matches. They didn't have any matches left. And so they were, like, devastated. Like, what are we going to do now? And one guy shows up, and he's like, you know, you can't see anything there, but are there some embers in there? Like, no, there's not. Yeah, yeah, I think there's some embers in there. Nobody believed him. And I think the same is true in your relationships right now, possibly. You're looking at your life, you're looking at your marriage, and you're like, there's nothing here. This guy's like, trust me, starts blowing on, the, on this fireplace, and dust started coming out, nothing happened. He kept blowing, he kept blowing, he kept blowing, and there's this little ember, this little red ember that started to flow. Over time, he kept blowing on it. About 20 minutes later, there's this raging fire again. It was like nice and warm. Oh, this is great. See, I think about that story and I think about your relationships right now. See, there are moments when you will feel that there is nothing left. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you right now, even if you don't see anything, there is an ember in there. And I'm telling you, if, if Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, he can restore your marriage. He can do it. Now, foundation. 
on the practice of the word of God, which means giving yourself up for one another. This thing is a submission competition. That's what it is. And that's a good relationship right there over time. And so here's what I want to do now before we close. I want to ask if we could um, just close our eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to say a few things, and then we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning, and I don't know where you are on the spectrum right now. If you're in a relationship, and it's hard, or in a relationship, and it's, it's good, or out of a relationship, or on the, on the verge of divorce, or people in your life that are struggling, or have gotten divorced, and thinking about getting into a relationship again, I don't know where you're at right now. But I want to ask that you just remember a few things that have been said this morning. Number one is that love is not a feeling. That love is about giving yourself up for the other person in the same way that Christ gave himself up for you, period. And you leave the results to God. You see, Jesus leaves us without any excuses. Where to stop forgiving? Look to Jesus. Where to stop believing? Look to Jesus. I know this is hard. This is not easy. So if you're here today and you would like for me to pray for you, I'm going to do a prayer for those of you who just, um, so if you could close your eyes and, and bow your heads, and I'm just going to ask if you just raise your hand and put it right back down. I want to pray for those who need prayer. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Amen, amen. So Lord God, we present ourselves to you this morning recognizing that you have come against this culture so strongly and it, it seems like the opposition is so strong as far as the definition of marriage, the definition of love, what does it mean, this unselfish love? But you have shown us the way, Lord God. And so I want to pray, God, specifically for these hands that were raised. I know sometimes it seems so difficult to restore something that is so hard. But you know, God, that that is not impossible. And that if you rose from the dead, you can resurrect these marriages. So God, I pray for the hands that were raised, that you will bless them, that you will give them assurance, that you will allow for them to, to, to build their foundation on the rock. It's all we got, Lord. This is all we have. So we thank you. We present this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.